Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Everybody, welcome back to the show, Confessions of a Creative Director, the only show on the internet created by a creative director for creative directors, for people who want to be creative directors, for those who are jealous and envious of creative directors and the amazing lives that we lead. Uh, just kidding. I don't know what that means. But uh, really, the show is for anybody and everybody who's interested in creativity, being more creative, maybe looking to move up into being a creative director. Really, it's for anybody who wants to learn more about how we think and see the world and operate and all that kinds of good stuff. My name is Jaime Cabrera, by the way. Somebody just brought up to me, my last guest uh, brought it to me. He didn't know. He thought it was, he thought it was Jamie. Um, so if I haven't introduced myself, there you go. It's Jaime, like Jaime, I help you, Jaime Cabrera. So I am your, your host on this incredible journey. And right off the bat, I want to ask you guys to do me a favor. If you, if you don't mind, uh, subscribe to the podcast, tell your friends about the podcast, um, leave us a a, a review or a rating Uh, that really helps get the show out there. I need to really get better at at self-promoting. I am the worst self uh, promoter, but I need to get better at that. So if you wouldn't mind, uh, give me a hand with that. On uh, today's show is an excellent self-promoter, uh, my good friend, uh, Mark Heron, who is head of strategy over at Sparks. He and I worked together uh, for a long time over at, at Jack Morton. Uh, and so we've known each other for a long time. And what's really funny, I talk about this a little bit in the in today's episode, but, you know, rarely do we get to sit down and talk in this way, you know, because we're friends and, and we're both musicians. He was part of my songwriting club and we we're usually joking around. And so it was really interesting to hear him turn it on, not in the sense of him putting on a show, but just really to hear the knowledge and the experience and the, and the smarts that, that this guy has. He has some really interesting thoughts on uh, what he calls rock and roll strategy. Uh, and he's got a lot of great analogies uh, of how marketing works and, and how he sees the world. So I was just really impressed and, and, and kind of proud to know this guy and know that we've been on the same uh, journey together for a number of years. And like I said, he's a strategist. So I made an exception here and had strategists on the show. But I think it's good to hear uh, from strategists because they are they are highly creative, just that like he is very highly creative. It was nice to hear a little different perspective and maybe how the two can work uh, more closely uh, together and be better and create better creative together. So without further ado, the rock and roll strategist himself, Mark Heron. Mark Heron. The man, the myth, the legend. How are you, buddy? 
I'm good. How are you, my friend? It's good, good to see you. It's good to talk to you. It's good to see you and talk to you. You look, uh, you look like the uh, uh, the rock star that I remember you to be. I haven't seen you since, obviously, since the uh, the lockdown. And that, by the way, that conversation is getting so old. I haven't seen you since. I know. Let's like, just, yeah, just no shit. Let's no just shit. scrub any pandemic talk whatsoever. Okay. Let's just move on at this point. Agreed. <laughs> but but you, you look great, buddy. Um, Thanks you too. So, uh, and it's great to see you. Thanks for, thanks for making the time to join the podcast. I will, I will tell the audience, and I have told the audience, I'm making an exception on having you as a guest because you are not officially a creative director. I, I would say you are an honorary creative director. Well, you've 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 had to uh, uh, creative direct because you know of of the various jobs that you've done, but officially your title is not creative director, but I'm, I'm going to make that exception because I know you to be a very creative person. So I, I'm making, I'm giving you a pass. I hope that you uh, understand that and that you appreciate that, that I don't do that for anybody. I don't just let any schmo off the street, come on confessions of a creative director. So how do you feel about that? Um, I'm honored, Jaime. I also think you might be doing this because you're looking for a job. So really, <laughs> this is... <laughs> What? No, I'm not looking for a job. How do you mean? My, my employer might be listening and take that. Aren't we, always, are we always looking for a job? Aren't we mm-hmm. always looking for the next big yes. thing, the next big idea, the next thing that inspires us, gets us up in the morning to feel like we haven't wasted our life in the doldrums of brand experience? Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> so, yes, in the grand scheme of things, yes, I am always looking for a the the big job in the sky. I think the big job in the sky means you're dead. So maybe maybe not that big job. Yeah. But um, yeah. So you and I have known each other for quite a, a long time now. I don't even know how many years. But we we both uh, worked at Jack Morton for a number of years. Worked on the Honda account. Worked on uh, Dish Network together. Some right, other. Yeah. yeah. You forgot about that one. Man. Um, so we've we've sort of been around the block, and now you are you know the big head honcho, head of strategy at uh at sparks i am yeah i i will say like one of my favorite memories of working with you for dish network was uh, and kind of my first understanding that being a creative director being a creative director could be more than about like just designing and layout because i mean honestly i mean knowing who you are you came up more on the on the copywriting side of creative right. directing, more on the on the ideas side and, and some come up more on the design and, and layout side of things. And I feel like those are two different mentalities. Um, and I certainly am, am more in line with you on that. But I just remember when we were working for Dish Network, we had to put together um, a song for for Dish Network and, and, and all of the different ideas that you had for this song, you know, for like the hip hopper or whatever it was called the, and, and, and how we put that together. And I'm oh like, my God. This is creative direction? All right, this is pretty awesome. <laughs> I forgot about that song. Yeah. I I forgot it was, and they and the client hated it. She she scrapped it. I remember, and we had to do some. We ended up doing a knockoff of um um <laughs> of, of, of a Jefferson Starship. Song. Oh, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. I remember, and I loved that song too. I thought it was so cool, and it was like all around HD. And, you know, it was kind of like had a country flair and it was all about HD, you know, TV and all that stuff. And the client was like, hate it. So, yeah. yeah so that that was I, I forgot about that. That was a uh, that was Brill- a good time. Brilliant squashed 
<clears throat> yes, <laughs> I know. That's that's the story of my life. But so um, as as head of strategy at, at Sparks, tell us a little bit about, you know, sort of what, um, you know, sort of what your 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 definition is of, of strategy and creative strategy. Um, there's definitely a, a big overlap and it's and it's super important um, to have that creative strategy and strategy in general, but just kind of give me your definition or tell me how you see the world when it comes to strategy and how that plays into creative. Yeah. Uh, so my, my, my brand or blend of, of strategy, um, I kind of like to call rock and roll strategy. Um, and, and that's not because, you know, I, I'm a musician, but really because I feel like, I feel like the industry is tired of like, that kind of intellectual point extra strategy of insights and data that really does not get anywhere. Um, you know, like data only means so much. And so I feel that, you know, really good strategy is something that sometimes comes before, you know, creative. Sometimes it's back ending strategy into whatever the creative becomes. And sometimes it's in parallel. Um, and that's the, and that's kind of the way I think about strategy. We of course do, you know, research and analysis and portfolio planning and, and market analysis and attendee journeys and roadmaps and, and the, you know, all the things that go into a lot of, we have a whole measurement team. Um, we do a lot of brand marketing, but, but ultimately my feeling is, is, is that the way that I lead strategy is, is by being kind of in this, this kind of like adaptable, conduit between whatever the ideas and the information is and making that story sing. Um, and I think that's, that's kind of the most effective way to do it because otherwise I feel like there's a, it's not a line. There's, there's, there's a disjoint between the creative and what the data says, and they really need to be very much in sync. Um, and sometimes the data, it doesn't mean much. And sometimes the creative isn't that good and we have to figure it out. So anyway, I don't know if, so I like the idea of rock and roll strategy, by the way. I think that that's pretty clever because sometimes if you can't articulate the strategy in a few uh, simple words and you have to use a bunch of jargon, in my my opinion, it's no longer a strategy, right? It's like you're yeah. you're covering something up and you're trying to make something sound really smart when maybe it isn't. So if you can't summarize it in a short, pithy, you know, rock and roll sort of way, maybe then maybe it's it's not. But so is that cheating though, when you talk about, um, cause sometimes I, you know, obviously I've been in the same boat where you have to sort of retrofit fit, you've got the creative and you sort of back sort of reverse engineer into right. a strategy. Is that cheating or is it, there's still value because you're, you're st still trying to tie it back to a strategy. This is just, you know, asking for a friend. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think the short answer is it depends. Um, I think, I think creatives, good creatives tend to have a really good instinct and a really good gut. And if they've been working for a brand for a long time, then they really know that brand and they really know that space and they know how to do something that's defining. Um, no data in the world, as you can probably say, can tell you that a good idea is a good idea. Um, on the other hand, if you don't know what you want to do or how to do it, or let's say, for instance, right now, we have a lot of brands that... Um, haven't been doing shows, haven't been doing events, haven't been doing trade show experiences for obvious reasons. And now they're wondering, how do we get back to that? And, and in that case, we, um, 
we as strategists will go through and do portfolio planning and analysis where we will look at you know the events that previously happened what may be happening in the next few months or year and put together a plan based upon the reputation of the show the audience quality you know a list of criteria and tell our clients hey you should go um you should go to this show uh, as a 20 by 30, or you should be just doing a, a sponsorship, or you should just be doing an executive meeting room. Um, and sometimes that's what clients are, are looking for. That's purely strategically driven. That's like, there's no creative in there whatsoever. Like this is how much you should spend in order to get the effective experience you're looking for. Um, but that, But that doesn't mean that when we sit in a room to finally decide what that experience is, that we won't be kind of with this, with the creative and and kind of working within a confines of something that blends experience, instinct, gut, and some of the data that we have. What do you? So I'm gonna I'm gonna put you on the spot here, but it's something that I would definitely want to know. Um, what is the biggest? Uh, and by the way, before I forget, I completely screwed this up. I, we didn't, we didn't do, uh, we didn't do our our toast with our oh. cocktails. So tell tell the audience what you're drinking. By the way, I am drinking a mezcalita, um, which is you know mezcal, lemon, lime, and and a little simple sugar mixed together in a very large mason jar. <laughs> That's a that looks that looks to be about like a triple triple shot there, or and, and any any club soda or anything like that. No club soda, uh, just over ice. It's at my, my girlfriend's a bartender, so this is actually her recipe. It's very good, and I figured I needed a bucket to get through this interview. <laughs> <laughs> good, good, yeah, good answer. Uh, I'm drinking a, a michelada, so you know one of my uh, go-to summer drinks, a little, uh, little tecate beer and some, uh, some arriba uh, michelada mix, very tasty. But cheers, bud. Yeah. Cheers. Again, again, thanks for joining. Sorry, I forgot to do that, but no, of course, better late than never. So, yeah. Uh, okay, and I, I'm just buttering you up because I'm gonna I'm gonna stump you here, or not oh, stump boy. you, but I'm, I'm gonna surprise you here. So, what would you say, or what's your biggest gripe, or not gripe, but what 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 would you want to say to a creative director if you could say anything as a strategist? Right, because obviously there's probably a, maybe a little bit of tension sometimes, or maybe you guys aren't seeing the world the same way. But what what would you want to say if you could say anything to a to a creative director? I mean, I would say the biggest. I would say this to anybody, but I think that creative directors can get lost in the infinite possibilities of what something could be, and so I would say to a creative director like more times than not, just do something, get it done. You know, it doesn't have to be perfect, but the moment you start, you'll find the path in the way. And so, so too often creative directors are just like, all right, like we got all these ideas and I don't know how to put this together. Or, you know, I don't know how yeah. to put the story together. I don't know how to figure out the, the thread. And it's like, that stuff will come if you have stuff to put it to. So just start, you know? Yeah. That's great advice. And, uh, uh, you know, you, you really do just need to start and get things on paper. And I have since become, you know, I have since become a big fan of constraints and of, um, you know, parameters, because a lot of people think like, well, you know, uh, don't limit my thinking, dude, I want to think, you know, it's like, 
it, it works much better if you have constraints, whether it's a budgetary constraint, whether it's a constraint, you know, regarding the type of channel or media that you want to use, whether it's a, a constraint of whatever it is, they actually help create better ideas. They don't hinder it. So um, that all kinds of kind of ties in right to yeah. get, out, get out of that mentality of like, I got all these things and, you know, I, yeah, no, I, I love that you say that. Cause I, I am a big fan of constraints too. Um, I remember working at Jack Morton, we had a case study uh, about Qantas air and, and our big kind of shining star to that was that the budget was only 50 grand, but be, with that 50 grand, we put together this like paper mache figure in airports that talked about their new uh, luggage tagging system. And, um, and I, and I used to, I was an account director at Jack Morton. Um, and I loved being able to tell clients, like, it doesn't matter. As long as you give us a budget, we can create the best experience for whatever that budget is. Um, and so I love the idea of, you know, the more constraints you have, the guidelines you have, that helps you to kind of narrow your vision. Um, and I think that ultimately is what strategy is supposed to do. That's supposed yeah. to give some guidelines to yeah. creative directors, right? That's, that's yeah. where like, you know, um, you want to make sure that they have the guideposts and, and, and you want to make sure that the creative directors feel like that they're heading down the right path. Um, so versus, you know, vacillating on a bunch of stuff that, you know, creative directors have a lot of great ideas, but doesn't mean that they're perfect for that brand or that, you know, yeah. Brand, so. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so what do you think, um, you know, what, what do you think is, is the biggest challenge facing our industry? And, and you're, you're sort of in a, although you guys do a lot of different things, but you're sort of um, very focused on events and experiences and, and big, you know, trade shows and big things of that nature. Uh, By the way, you know, I don't know if you want to spend a second talking a little bit about the, the, um, the Google um, activation that you guys got a lot of buzz for a couple years ago at, at CES, but um, you know, what, what do you think, what's, what's, uh, what's next for our, for the industry? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's somewhat of a loaded question. I'll try to answer it succinctly and quickly. Um, all of our clients are interested in hybrid events right now. You know, we are an experiential agency, you know, we do things across obviously like trade show and exhibits, conferences, branded environments and retail, um, activations, you know, pop-up experiences, mobile tours, and then, you know, uh, obviously a ton of contact, especially in the last year. Um, our clients are very interested in, A, what the road forward looks like, how do we get back to life, but even more importantly, how do we, how do we um, amortize the experiences that we've created in the last year virtually as we move forward? How do we keep that content and, and, and those channels and those, that's, that's some of that success we've done. And how do we blend together that live experience and that virtual experience? Um, I think, I don't know if it's like the greatest challenge. Um, I would say prior to the pandemic, the greatest challenge would be exhaustion of pop-up uh, experiences like 20, 29 rooms and museum right. ice cream. Like how many more of these are we going to see? I think that the pandemic was a great service of stopping those and, <laughs> and, the, and the exhaustion of those, which means that, you know, they're coming back, they'll come back, but now we won't be tired of them as quickly because we had a year off. Um, yeah. But I would say now it's just, especially for our B2B clients, it's, it's trying to navigate 
the hybrid world and because a lot of our clients think that hybrid means doing double the work. I have to do a virtual experience. I have to do a live experience. How much of one or the other do I do? What's the weight? Is it is live the core with ancillary virtual experiences and breakouts for people that are interested? Is it the exact opposite? You know, is it somewhere in the middle? Um, and I think that we're finding that that I think maybe the biggest challenge is, is trying to be uh, as qualitative as possible towards every possible attendee and target group there is because everyone feels special and everybody digests content in a different way. And the thing that's irreparably happened in the last year is that some people are going to just want to stay home and watch things virtually from this point forward or for a very long time. Some, we have this, like we have this analogy. It's like some people want to go to the game. They want to go to a live experience. They want to see the fans. They want to, hang out with their fans. They want to go get the hot dog and everything. Others want to hang out at the bar. They still want to watch the game, but they want to be in a smaller group of friends. It's a bit more casual. They don't need all that fanfare or they just want to go all that way to it or they can't because they're in a small town, whatever it is. And then still others want to sit on their couch. They want to watch the thing. They want to skip through half of it and be done. And and I think the biggest challenge is, mm. is trying to create an experience for every single mentality there is so they all feel like they're getting what they want. That is... A, a great analogy because that that is true. I mean, you can argue that you have a better experience um, if you're like a huge let's let let's say you're watching NFL, right? If you're like a huge stats guy, you love to hear the commentary, and you love you know to I don't know watch a human interest story in between about the quarterbacks, you know, rise to whatever. Right. That's going to be a much better experience because you you're you're at home. You're listening to all that. You don't get that in the stadium, but you also don't get the energy. You can't, you know, post a a picture that you're there at the stadium and brag to your friends. So that is a great analogy because they are they are quite different. And then again, that 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 third experience that you talked about of being somewhere else, you're at a bar watching it with your friends. So that's a great. That's a great way to look at it. Yeah. and And that is the challenge. So do you um you know, what are your thoughts on, um, you know, what are your thoughts on like AR and, you know, and VR and all that kind of stuff. And is that, you know, I, I've, I've recently become a big fan of, uh, VR. I got a Oculus headset. I have one too. Yeah. Have you been doing the the boxing game? The boxing game? I have. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm addicted. The first day I got it, I almost punched my hand through the window. (laughs) because yeah. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a boxer right so so and i've been boxing for a bunch of years and so like you know i take this seriously i'm like oh yeah i'm gonna get this and when like i'm not winning i'm like hitting extra hard and then you forget that there's that guide around it and like, you know i'm like hitting yeah. the window, like okay i'm getting way too spirited here are you is it the the thrill of the fight is that the one you're doing no i'm doing creed no, 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 no. You got to do thrill. Oh, okay. man. It's much more lifelike, I think. Uh, I've only boxed a couple of times, but it's oh, it's so much better. But we'll ha- we'll do a whole other podcast on that because it is <laughs> it is so much better. Because I tried Creed. This one's better. Okay. But um, so are you a, a, a fan of VR or do you like that mixed or now what they're calling, you know, mixed reality? And, you know, what are, what are your thoughts on that whole thing? I mean, I mean, our clients have asked us about that. I mean... I- Prior to Sparks, I, I was working at another agency and we did a lot of automotive and I felt like every single automotive manufacturer we worked with, which was quite a, quite a few for auto shows, would ask us about like how we're going to create a VR experience and because they all want to simulate the drive and all that kind of stuff. 
Um, and honestly, the through, throughput on that and how you have to wipe it down every time and, you know, how long is the experience? It's just the, the amount of money uh, it takes to create a really impactful experience for not people that are going to go through it. I just, I, I always felt like it came up short. Um, and I, and I think, you know, I, I'll, I'll say this. I think there, I think AR and VR mixed reality all have a place in, in experience somewhere, but I think it's a much more um, limited attendee driven experience um, for now. Um, and so I think, you know, we'll see it expand, but it's not something that is a, a core I, sometimes I feel like those, like, I feel like, I feel like clients or even creative directors will throw that out there because it's like, but we could do this, but it's like, but what is it really? Like, do you know how much programming has to go into creating that? That's going to make that great. And I don't know. I just, I, I, I think that I've seen attendees light up with like really cool custom donuts more than they have about like a VR thing they got to strap on. And what is this going to be? So yeah, that's, <laughs> I mean, you're 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 full of all kinds of great kind of little anecdotal things because you're right. Sometimes it's you know a giveaway, or you know, especially in the world of, of events and stuff, that's going to be more uh, memorable and more you know appealing to somebody than you know you go through all this trouble and you create all these really cool things, and then it's like the thing that was the low tech thing that got them, you know, whether it's like a game, you know, we've done stuff for our clients where it's like these physical games get the most attention and we've designed this other great photo exactly op thing and it doesn't get it. So that, that's, that's sure. That's really interesting. That's yeah. Um, I think that's the thing I've learned most in experiential is, is that it doesn't have to be the complicated idea that's going to get people excited. It's generally the really simplistic, really just like kind of intuitive, you know, thing that someone immediately gets and goes, Oh wow. I, I, I like, I can't believe they, they did that. They did the biggest Jenga thing ever. Oh my God. You know, no one's going to, they're going to tweet and take a picture in front of large Jenga. They're not going to tweet, and take a picture in front of a VR set. <laughs> like, right. You know what I mean? So, you know, it's not to say that there isn't cool stuff there. It's just, we're an experiential company doing live experience, which means human connection and human connection generally means not being in front of or immersed by technology all the time that's kind of what yeah. we're trying to get away from um so. but now i mean could you make the argument that now human connection has taken on a whole new dimension because now you know you and i are looking at each other as recording this podcast is that now somebody's idea of human connection uh i mean to some extent i think there'll be there there is i mean but i think that there's an eagerness to get out of out of yeah. these two-dimensional planes we're currently in you know, I'd rather yeah. be doing this in person with you than through through video. Yeah, me too. So um, that, that way you could go. That way I could send you to the bar to get me another drink because I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm running low. This is this um, is why I got the bucket. <laughs> yeah, the see, even even you're even strategic in your cocktail design. I like it um, <laughs> in your cocktail planning. So how do you you know how do you get inspired you know what what's inspiring you or how do you you know how do you get into the zone do you listen to music I know um, you you and I are both songwriters we we uh, did our songwriting challenge yeah. th this uh, this last year but what else is there something else besides music that gets you going or yeah I mean I mean I appreciate the the invite to that songwriting challenge because I think I got like twenty songs out of it before yeah you know, the, the attrition happened where I was like oh I can't do this anymore. Um, and, but I was inspired to do it for a while. I appreciate it. I don't know if I've even written, I've probably written like two songs since. Um, so, 
So that was great. Um, I, I don't know. Um, I would say um, I'm kind of, I kind of try to keep the window of inspiration open at all times. Um, meaning like, I don't know if I have any one thing I'm inspired by, but you know, I, I'm constantly trying to be as much into like a flow state of finding inspiration in someone or something, or when you walk down the street and you see some, some graffiti and you're inspired by it, or, you know, the way the restaurant did something different that you get inspired by. Um, you know, I, I, I mentioned to you, um, I, I do watch masterclass. And so like, I definitely get inspired by these mm. heavy hitters who, who've done it and have done it well and have words of wisdom to bestow upon the peasants of us. Um, and so, um, you know, I was just watching David Carlson, uh, who's a graphic designer who kind of does like yeah. surf mags and things like that. And, you know, I, I do, I do like to kind of geek out on some of that. Um, he had a really good quote by William Burroughs, um, which it was, it was something to the effect of like words or images. And so therefore you should treat words like images and, I was a creative writing major in, in college along with philosophy, but that creative writing. And so thinking about, you know, words as, as actual graphics and as images, just as much as art is a really fascinating idea to me and kind of makes me think the same with, with music, how, you know, how we create lyrics and create sounds and the way we say something puts so much more weight on words than what the word could be or could not be. So, I, I find that really interesting. Um, but you know, so like, so he's one of them that I've been, that I've been watching Jeff Coons. I watched and that was more interview style, but it was still interesting to hear his, his process, you know, Frank so Jeff I haven't, Coons. I haven't, I haven't done that. The masterclass. So you really, you do get some, you feel like you do get some good nuggets out of the, out of those um, sessions. Yeah. I mean, I, I will say like, they're not, they're not classes. Let's be honest. Some of them right. are very much like a guy's being interviewed about what he's done in his life. And I don't see that as like an MBA class or some kind of class on graphic design, but it doesn't mean that there aren't interesting things you find from it. You know, I, you know, yeah. like I, listening to Jeff Coons, I don't know if I, derived a whole lot of value out of it i was like yeah yeah of course like you know you look for the unique thing look for the thing that's different and turn you know turn it on its head but i think that's because that's our work and that's what we do for a living um whereas others who are not in a creative field might go oh wow i never thought of you know turning some figurine into a piece of art you know that's you know a balloon animal into a piece of art like that's brilliant you know whereas we'd be like we we think about this stuff all the time. How do we create something different? You know? Um, so, uh, yeah, I don't know what's going with that, but, um, I do think masterclass has some nuggets, has some in interesting insight. Um, my girlfriend definitely finds a lot of great stuff out of it. Like Neil deGrasse Tyson, we were watching, uh, you know, he's got some really interesting things to say about the world and astrophysics and stuff. And, uh, my dad, I gave it to him as a gift and, and he, he's like just all over it. He's, he's the best gift I've ever given. It, so it's worth checking cool. it out. Yeah. I have some free passes. I'll send them to you. Yeah. Oh, do you? Yeah. yeah. Send, yeah. send them to me. All they right. Try, yeah. They try to get you hooked like crack. I, I mean, I, I love that kind of stuff and, and I, you know, I, um, I just, I, I'm, I'm always trying to learn something, you know, some little thing that I can apply, um, to my work. Um, how do you, you know, you're getting, you're getting to the point in your career where, where you're kind of a masterclass unto, unto yourself, right? You know, how do you, are you providing, um, 
you know, what's your thought on, you know, mentorship and, you know, do you, do you mentor some of the, you know, people, obviously the people that, that work, um, with you and for you, but do you mentor anybody outside of that? Is that something that is interesting to you or, you know? Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, first of all, um, I mean, I would consider you in many ways to be kind of a mentor to me because I definitely learned some things from you, like role model, you know, which is really great, you know, because I, I didn't fancy myself as a strategist or a creative director. It's an account person until I kind of opened my eyes. So so thank you for that. And there was definitely oh, other thanks. people. Yeah, there's definitely other people in my career that I that I um, have used as role models, too, as I've figured out this, you know, circuitous path. Um, you know, we... we um, you know, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Like, I mean, I, I do teach at Pepperdine um, and USC. So um, I do guest speaking and lecture roles there um, on experiential marketing um, on like a yearly basis. So um, I went to Pepperdine for MBA school for marketing. So that's, that's the end there. They wanted me to be a professor, but the, that's right. Yeah. The time is too much. So, and I travel too much, at least, you know, prior to the pandemic to allow that to happen. But but I definitely come in and I talk about it. I just did, uh, God, I guess it's been a year now, but they had me do like a six part um, kind of virtual mini series on, on experiential that they showed their kids now, which is probably why they'll never ask me to do it again. Cause we'll just yeah. press replay. You yeah. know? But um, so, yeah, I mean, in that way we do. And then we have interns that, that we, that we um, have hired usually every summer, probably not this summer um, just cause things are a little different, but yeah. Have you found, um, this is kind of a weird, this is kind of a weird, um, I don't know what you would call it, dichotomy or something, but have you found yourself, and this is more of just me, you know, (laughs) sharing, sharing something that's, I think, kind of interesting. Have you at, at, you know, in the same, in the same, in the same breath, and I'm being facetious, but not really, in the same breath heard yourself talking and going, man, I do know some shit. I'm pretty smart. And then at the next turn going like, what, what, what am I doing? I'm like, like imposter syndrome kind of stuff. Do you ever, does that ever happen to you? I think, I think that I, I, I think everybody goes through that. I, I can't imagine anybody. I, I was going to say, I, I think I mentioned it to you or all right, maybe I, I, um, I don't know. Like I, I think that there's a, a bunch of you have to have an expertise in in BS a little bit if you're going to be in marketing in any way, shape, or form. Okay. And, and 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 by that I mean like there's a lot of fake it till you make it, you know. And there's a lot of fake it until you can figure out how how to make it, you know. Right. Like, yeah, right. we can do that. We can figure it out, and then going back and going like, all right, so how do we make this cake? And right. I think I think and I think in that term. Um, especially earlier in your career, you're like, Oh, like, like I, I don't even know what I'm doing here. And then you get enough encouragement from other people, people going, no, no, this is great. This is brilliant. What? Never thought about this, blah, blah, blah. And then you get to a point where perhaps you and I sit now where we go, all right, I've done this enough to know that even though I might be full of S <laughs> that ultimately I'm going to find it and come up with something really great. You know, right. it's, it's, it's like, like, you know, the, the adage of like, you know, coal becomes a diamond or whatever it's our pearl you know like we're shaving it down it starts off ugly and it becomes pretty and i think that's ultimately like i think you almost have to have the imposter syndrome 
in order to be hard on yourself to come up with some really cool stuff. Right? Oh, okay. Right. I didn't, I, I didn't think about it that way. Yeah, that's 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 a that's a good way to look at it. Like the like whip yourself in the back. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. I will never be. And then you're like, oh. Oh, I came up with something cool. And then the next yeah. friend asks you something, you're like, oh, I have to do it all again. And I'm not good yeah. enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's been, I mean, it's, it's surprising, you know, a, a lot of the guests that I've interviewed for the show, they all, you know, a lot of them have had that, you know, imposter syndrome. The, the thing that was interesting is just, you know, ha- having it sort of at the same, same time or, 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 or soon after saying something like, wow, that was pretty good. I, I do know what I'm talking about then you know, saying something like, wait, what did I just say? <laughs> well, you know, what's funny. I'll tell you a little, I'll, I'll give you a little antidote. Um, you know, I, I mean, I haven't been a strategist for that long. Like I started getting into strategy at, at Jack Moore towards the end of my time there. Um, and then went straight into strategy, the next company I was at, and then, you know, the, for the almost four years I've been at Sparks, but it was a very quick trajectory from being like an account person to like heading to strategy. And so, when I started at Sparks, you know, I, I, I was freaking out a bit, like, oh, my God, like, what did I take on here? I'm the head of strategy for Sparks, arguably one of the best experiential agencies there is. And, and like, do I really have what it takes? Do I know what I'm doing? And probably the first month on the job, um, I had a client that was asking me all of these questions about, like, this event they're doing. The company was Rakuten. And they were asking all these questions about attendee acquisition and how we're going to, you know, do like sales generation and all this type of stuff. And my head is like blowing the heck up. Like, I don't know how to do any of this stuff. I have no idea. Um, and so like I went to my, my boss and I said, dude, like, I don't, I don't think I'm cut out for this. Like, I don't think I can do this. Like I, I, yeah. you know, and he, he was the leadership of Sparks is amazing. And he pretty much was like, listen, like I hired you to lead and to, and to, you know, make sure that your team has the tools they need and the resources they need and the guidance they need in order to get their job done. They're like, they'll, they'll be able to do that stuff. I just need you to, you know, um, do that. And then in time, you'll figure out how to do all that stuff. And, and he wasn't wrong. Like after, you know, six months of being in this role and doing everything, I was like, oh, okay. Like, I got it, you know. Um, so, you know, it definitely took some time. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's, you know, something that I – that I talk a lot about to to my team and just people in general is that this idea of critical thinking, right? The critical thinking, even if you don't know something, if you know that you don't know it, that that in itself is critical thinking, right? It's like, I know that I don't know this, but I know how to figure it out, whether that's yeah. um, doing the research yourself or, you know, like I know so-and-so knows how to do that. I'm going to put that person on my team, um, all that comes down to critical thinking and that's the hardest part, right? It's like, in my opinion. So if somebody has the ability to think critically, they can do just about anything, maybe not, you know, design rockets or anything like that. But in general, if, if you're a critical thinker, you can figure just about anything out. Right. And, yeah. and whether that's by bringing in other people or by, you know, learning about it or whatever it is, it's that part that's, uh, I mean, that's, that's called soft skills, right? Like those soft skills are the things that those, they're the ability to think like, like that is, is I find that's the hardest type of thing to find is someone who can think, and I hate to say outside the box, but someone who can go like, all right. Cause we, I can give, 
I can give my team like templates, like, all right, you know, we're going to set up this deck for, let's say, an RFP, right? And I I need you to re-articulate the objectives that the client has asked for, because the, the thing that clients love most is to hear back what they are looking for. You know, it's like, tell them what they want, tell them what they want to get, yeah. and then finish by telling them what you did and how you satisfied it, right? It's right. like it's like intro paragraph conclusion. It's like the oldest, you know, write an essay, but write it in, in a short RFP deck. Um, and so I can give them a template of, here are the objectives, you know, this, so just write out what the objectives are, but say in your own words, you know, come up with some guiding principles. And, and by the way, a lot of the guiding principles that a client might be looking for for an exhibit are going to be similar for any trade show you're looking to do for anyone. Like you want to make sure it's engaging and you want to make sure that it attracts people into the booth and that they, you know, have deep dives and discover into what you're, you're looking for. And it's fun, all these things. Right. But for someone to be able to take those templates and then, and then create it and make it their own, um, that that's another set of skills that sometimes, I mean, when you can find people that can do it, it's really great. Yeah. And do you think that it's, um, you know, do you think that it's teachable? I think it depends. The answer is on the smaller projects. Um, I, so the way I mentor and, and, and my, my team is I, I start them on smaller projects, get them to understand how to do it to the point where they don't need training wheels. They can kind of do it. And I just check in and go, yeah, this is great. Tweak this or that. Um, <clears throat> you know, some people on my team, I feel like you need to be creative. in order to do that you have to have that creative strategy um portion of your brain and and i have people on my team who who either don't have it or don't really have an interest in it and so therefore you know they're more happy to to go with the kind of more structured approach to to strategy and what that looks like and then there's ones who who do have it and and then you help to like you know bring it out as much as you can Um, but I think ultimately that creative, that creative inspiration and way of that, of doing that is not teachable. I feel mm-hmm. like you either have to have it or you don't, and, you know, because you can, you can't, that's really hard to do. It's, it's hard to just come up with stuff all the time, you know, like that. Yeah. So, well, it's hard. Yeah. It's hard to come up with it. And then it's also, uh, I was talking to, um, to another creative director on on the last podcast where it's like um, it, it's hard to come up with it. And then, you know, 99% of the time it gets rejected. Yeah. Right? Or it's like, no, go back to the drawing board. It's like every time you're putting up your baby, you know, for someone to go, Oh, what a beautiful baby. And then they go, that ah, baby's ugly. And they, you know, throw it in the trash or whatever. So that, that part's hard. It's hard to come up with it. And then it's hard, you know, you can- to, to take the rejection. How do you, how do you, you know, what's, how do you get over that? Or what's been your experience with just not winning RFPs? That's a huge one where it's like, man, I thought we had that in the bag. We walked out of there and they were like patting us on the back. How did that, you know, how do you take that and, and reset after a rejection like that? I mean, I mean, first of all, Jaime Sparks has never lost an RFP. We're, we're, that, we're that, we're that good. And, Come on. and we're that respectable of a, of an agency. No. Um, it's, a, it's, I mean, I'll say like, generally speaking, like when we feel really good about an RFP, we want that RFP. Like you just know. Um, and, and if you haven't won it, it's because of some ridiculous thing, right. generally relationship driven or, or whatever. Um, 
Um, I, I was going to say, like, it's funny because I'm doing capsules for T-Mobile right now for, for this event that they want to do. And, and it's, and we do, we churn through these ideas, these capsules for them all the time. They're like, give us five ideas, you know, about, you know, on this one subject. And obviously can't talk a lot about what they're looking for, but it's like five cool ideas go. And you're just, and it's like all the time. And, and we just come up with this stuff, like literally like, an hour, we'll just be like, it could be this, it could be this, it could be this. Throw some imagery, throw some copy. Here you go, yeah. you know. Yeah. And none of it, almost none of it, ever gets executed. And a lot of times, the one that does, you're like, really? That's yeah. that, that's the one. That's the one that got you excited, you know. Um, so there, there can be a little bit of apathy that that grows in that. Um, but, um, but yeah, what can you do? But I think, I think like, um. I feel like we all need time to reset mm. between between each one. Like if you're just yeah. one after another, especially if you're losing, like then you're just like, I'm out. I can't do this anymore. <laughs> yeah. No, um, I know. I, I, I've always I've always I've always liked this idea of like, you know, a creative person only has a certain amount of creative capital, right? And yeah. only a certain amount of like creative money. Right. And, and you spend it, you spend it on the, on coming up with these ideas. And when they, when the idea doesn't go, you don't, you don't get that money back. Right. It's like it, the capital is gone. So in my mind, the only ways to refresh it are to win and, and see your idea come to life. Then you sort of like build up that capital right. again. Um, you know, uh, an, another way is to, um, is, you know, just time, time obviously kind of rebuilds that capital. So if you're going back to back to back to back and losing and losing, and it's like you're driving down your creative capital and you just don't have any more to spend. So there's only a few ways to, well, the, the, to kind of rebuild that capital in my mind. Yeah. I mean, the biggest way that I kind of regenerate, re-energize that capital is through watching other really cool experiences, mm. finding inspiration from, from what other people do. And like, like for instance, um, I just went to the Mad Cat Motel in downtown LA. Um, it's it's this 1966 yeah. motel, quote unquote, and it's like 29 rooms, but it's done in this kind of real. It's real immersive, right? I think I saw a clip on it. There's like actors, and it's like a Fellini movie, right? It's exactly. kind of also like the like the Stranger Things. Yeah, like I went, very immersive. Yeah, and I, I went to the Stranger Things too. This this is like. Yeah, it's like mid-century kind of feel. You walk into a lobby and someone says, oh, your room's almost ready. And like you're like, okay, sit in the lobby. And you're like, okay. And there's like a maid and she's like, oh, what are you doing here? And all this type of stuff. And then and then they take you into a room and you kind of get like the, you know, the, the TV turns on and it's like all, you know, kind of 60s style and like with the static. And, you know, this guy like has created the Madcap Hotel and, and, and you know, it's this other world. It's, you know, it's called the Everywhere or something like that. And then you go in and then it's like, there's all these hotel rooms, right? Which it's just a stage set, but then there's like rooms with mirrored walls and there's rooms with all sorts of different vignettes and, you know, a half a Cadillac with, with plants growing out of it and all sorts of random stuff. And, and every single thing that you go through is a picture that you can take. And, and right. my girlfriend and I went through and we, we definitely took a picture of every single thing, partially because I mean, I, I want to share it to my team and talk about it, but like going through experiences like that, are one of the best ways I find to re-energize, you know, that capital and get me excited about coming up with ideas again for brands is, yeah. is to see that, right? Like, yeah, 
and it could be that pop up or it could be like some, you know, just going into a Nike store and being like, oh, like the way that they they put the products and they have the, the, the half court basketball and they have that wall, you know, like, you know, all that stuff makes you think about how to do something for your client in a different way. Yeah. So, yeah. The um, ideas are everywhere. Yeah. I'm constantly looking, you know, now getting back into it, but constantly looking at stuff and like, what, what can I, what can I steal from this, um, from this act, activation or even like a restaurant or like a bar or whatever. It's like, Oh, I like how they did that. Um, so besides the music, I mean, uh, is there, if you weren't doing this job, if you weren't, you know, head of strategy um, in marketing, what would you be d- doing and musicians off the table? Cause we've already talked about that, oh, but is there gosh. something else or is that, is that the go-to? Um, I mean, at least from a, from a work standpoint, I've always wanted to be like, you know, brand side CMO. I think that would be. Dude, dude. <laughs> what? I mean, yeah, that's that's uh, the golden nugget, right? That's, that's the, a golden employer. Yeah. If my employer is listening, tune out during this section. <laughs> um, but no, that's my next. That's my next goal. I'm on. I'm on that. Uh, that I'm on that. I'm on that train. It's going to take a while, but yeah. So tell tell me about that. Tell me about what you're. Well, I mean, I think it's a natural progression to go from uh, heading strategy and being agency life, where we've seen all of these brands do all of these things and, and have been a big part of how they do it to wanting to do, to be the owner of an entire plan. That's your baby for some brand that you care about. You know, I, I want to do it. I'd love to do it for a brand that's maybe just above a startup, something like that, that you, you really feel like there's a runway and you could see that happen. I think that would be super fun. I mean, I'd love to start my own brand and do that, but I don't have, I guess, the idea that it takes in order to come up with whatever the product or service is. So that's like the next best thing is to just be like, all right, like chief marketing officer, let's actuate this plan, bring in the teams that make sense and rock it. Um, And I think that would be, I think that'd be really cool. Yeah. Yeah. We're on the, we'll have to, we'll have to have a whole sidebar conversation about that. Um, If I was, and yeah, I was going to say if it, if it wasn't that, then the other thing is, and, and, and I'm not kidding about this, but I love interior decorating and, and, yeah. and I, I would totally be down to be an interior, interior decorator. I think. Dude, I'm looking at your setup right now and I, and I totally see it. And I haven't been, I haven't been here to, to your house in a long time, but I, I remember it being really cool. And I'm looking at this, your setting here, <laughs> you got that nice painting in the background. You got your little candles. I did that painting. <laughs> oh, that, that's right. You are. Yeah. yeah. So that's another avenue. Yeah. What you're a man of many, many talents, but yeah, I, I, yeah, I could see that. I could see that. So if, if this gig doesn't work out for you, you've got, you got fallbacks, dude. Well, I mean, I, I mean, maybe this is another topic for another time, but you know, agency life doesn't have a shelf life. Like how long, and, and this is like, this is a question. So at my previous company, uh, I worked with a creative director and he used to say that creative directors are like NBA players that like they have a, they time out at some point and like yeah. you have to figure out, out, figure out what's next because you're no longer young. Your ideas start to fade. What else do you do? And, and I found that interesting. I also said, well, that's why I'm in strategy because it can, you know, like strategy yeah. is supposed to be more intellectual. I feel like you could be older and be like the wizard professor. Whereas in creative, 
You know, You're, like dude, are you is this your thinly veiled uh warning <laughs> to me that I gotta that I gotta that I gotta start thinking of something else? No, I don't I don't disagree with you. And I think that um and you know, and that's where I where I tell you know, even some of the people that are coming up as creative directors in in my team, it's like you got to be comfortable with moving from being the star player, right? The NBA player. You mm. got to be, you know, the guy or or, or a gal that's shooting the, all the three pointers to being the coach. Yeah. And because because the coach is arguably maybe even more important. Um, but you got to move away from getting the limelight all the time and being the one that's like, I, I, that was my idea. And more of like, I'm the coach. I put the team together that came up with that idea. I'm the coach that put the team together that won the game. Right. So you got to be comfortable with that. And I think a lot of people aren't because they want to be the, the, the person that came up with the idea every time. And I, I think that's where you, you put that kind of like, big X on your back. If you're that guy who wants, who thinks that it's going to be his or her idea every time, then I think that's when you do phase out. But it, it's a, it's a valid point. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I, I hadn't thought about it. So thanks for reminding me <laughs> that, that I have a shelf life. No, I think, I think you're absolutely right. I think the other thing is like every once in a while, you have to like all of a sudden like throw that three pointer so that everybody oh. on your team goes, goes, Oh yeah, that guy, that guy. Cause a lot of times, like the younger people, they don't know, what you've done and the ideas like all they see is you the guy that is yeah. putting it together like how did he get here so sometimes you have to be like oh and check this out and they go oh okay yeah. all right that's true dude you're <laughs> full of you're full of great analogies today you're right you're right every once in a while you gotta you gotta you gotta gotta check gotta them a little bit yeah you gotta check them a little bit yeah, be like, yeah that's what i got here that otherwise they're gonna devour you you're gonna lose your respect and they're gonna be like get out of here old timer yeah you know? get out of here old man i was like i because i noticed um at, at my previous company um there was a guy that was like maybe in his early to mid 60s and he was a craft he was a designer and I, I, other than, um, oh, what's his name at Jack Moore? And that was the copywriter that we had. Um, Jim Ritter. Jim, Jim Ritter. Ritter yeah, my, yeah. My, he's, I still talk to him. He's, he's awesome. He's my, he's my, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so like, but you just don't see a lot of like creatives and strategists that are younger. And so when I saw, saw him and worked with him, I was like, there was so much, I was so happy to be around a diverse, group of people and ages like oh it can happen you know um i wish there was more of that but unfortunately there's there's not you know but wow yeah i guess that that's becoming is that becoming a, are we becoming those those people i don't know or do we just like or do we just we come up with the finally come up with the great idea and say i'm doing it myself and we open up a shop like a gift shop in the middle of nowhere and like sell, <laughs> sell unique wares <laughs> in, in, Mar- in marfa texas mm-hmm. so do you think um i feel like I, i'd be curious to get your perspective i feel like i've done some you know, really good work, but I, I still, I, I feel like I'm on the, and maybe that's just cause I'm, you know, I don't know what you call it, an optimist or whatever, but I feel like I'm on the cusp of like some really, some really big, cool things. Do you, do you feel like that? Um, do you feel like you're still, you know, you're still, you've done great stuff, but there's still even more to come. Uh, I mean, that's, 
<laughs> I guess I, I guess I set you up there. If you say no, you're probably going to get fired tomorrow. Yeah, um, I know. I, and my boss had just asked me for like my 90 day, 90 day goals. I'm like, I don't have any. Um, no, I, I, uh, I, I would say like the great thing about experiential marketing is that it's always surprising. It's always interesting. And I feel like, you know, we're always, I mean, we're, we're lucky. So you asked me the question earlier, like, or to talk about the Google experience we did at CES. Right. Right. We, we did like a, I think it was an almost 40,000 square foot, um, uh, uh, two or three story building. We set it up in two weeks, took it down in a week. And it was over the course of a week of CES and we had a full on ride. Like, you know, we did it. We did yeah, it. It was, it was, yeah, it was, it was, uh, it's a small it, world. It's a, it's a small yeah. world Google style. Right. I mean, if you, if you haven't seen this, uh, listeners, you gotta, you gotta Google it. Cause it, it was freaking amazing. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So like, you know, so doing something like that and, and, and just to be frank, my team did all of the, the measurement for us. So we, we hired like 25, um, brand ambassadors to go out on day zero um, and do um, impressions of the Google Assistant because it was for the Google Assistant and understand, you know, their sentimentality across, um, you know, how they feel about the brand and relationship to the brand and opportunity and experience, all this type of stuff. And then, and then from that measured over the course of the actual experience, how that changed in, in, in perception and sentimentality towards the Google Assistant. And of course, it did quite well. Um, so that was our aspect of, of measurement there. We also had um, live beacon tracking throughout the whole thing. So we understood who came and for how long and dwell time right. and all that stuff. So we had the qualitative and the quantitative aspect of it. And we put together a huge report for Google. Um, and, um, and so that was our portion of it. So like my point is, is that, you know, it's not often creatives, you know, or really anybody gets to do such cool stuff. But ultimately, you're like one part of a cog of a machine to do that. Like we did that in, I think, 10 weeks, start to finish, you know, um, which is if you see the experience and go through the video, like that is an insane bonkers thing. Unfortunately, um, the budget allowed for it. But um, <clears throat> but I, I would say like we get those opportunities. You know, I think we do a lot of interesting, fun stuff. Um things that clients love, but maybe, you know, it's not often we get to do that really amazing thing, but it comes. Yeah. And I feel like maybe once a year we get that and that's enough uh, to feel really excited about it. So I would say my days are, are brighter ahead of me. Um, definitely given that we're over this, yeah. this past year and on all of that, I think there's going to be some yeah. really cool things that come out of it. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so what's the, um, you know, what's the best piece of advice that you've ever received um, from a mentor, from a coworker, or from anybody really, whether it's, you know, a big life adage or, a, you know, or a business thing, what's the best piece of advice you think you've ever received? Um, I was just thinking about this the other day. Um, and this is going to be, this is going to be a little cheesy. Um, my, you know, my dad was a, was a head of an organization. Um, and so I feel like so much of, my business acumen and, and, and ethics and all that kind of stuff just derived naturally from being his son. Like not that he taught me yeah. any of it. You just, right. by the way he does things, you just become that, you know? Sure. Yeah. Um, and, and to, to my chagrin when I was younger, I just want to be a musician. So I was very angry that I had to have a backup plan. 
very, yeah. very angry. And, and I truly believe if I didn't have a backup plan, I would have been the biggest, most rocking musician in the world. <laughs> <laughs> um, we got close. But anyway, but it didn't happen um, in the way that I wanted, but still was very satisfying. But, you know, the don't quit your day job and have a backup plan and be able to 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 do that. I now look back and I go like, thank, thank God that I was able to understand that, have the, have the, have the ability to do that. Um, and, and because, you know, how long are you going to be a rocker for and how really far yeah. are you going to get? So I, I guess the short way, so, you know, the, the advice or mentorship I got from my dad of, of being able to both focus on music as well as continue. Cause I'll, I'll and by that, I mean, uh, when we were touring with my band, I, I worked in a marketing job from the road. I did not quit my job in marketing. I set, wow. it, I set it up when I was in my early 20s. I said, I don't want any raises. I don't want any more money. I just want the ability or promotions. I just want the ability when I go on tour, whether it's a week or a month or multiple months, to work on the road and still get a full paycheck. And they said, okay. And so, um, so for our first tour, like all the guys quit their job. They were in the front of the van. They're watching Star Wars during the day and eating like, you know, crappy sandwiches. I'm in the back with a Trio 650 and a laptop talking to Toyota and Lexus, working on marketing plans and working on the publications I did as they're, you know, screwing off during the day. Eight hours a day, every day in the middle of cornfields on our way to the next gig because we did, you know, we did a lot of tour dates. And and when we got back, guess what? I had a job. And I was making forty five thousand a year, but guess what? Like I'm twenty four years old. That was yeah. awesome. They didn't have a job. Like, what do you do now? And then we went on another tour. I had a job. We went to the UK. Yeah. You know, uh, so so that was really That's great. Cool. And now, like you know, still can do music, but you know, like, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. And and I'm kind of with you there as well. I feel like you know, ha- had the music, it, it would have been hard, and I wouldn't have, probably wouldn't have had you know, the family that I do and had, and I can still make music. Right. And I, and I, and I'm, I feel like I'm still good at it. And actually, you know, I wrote 52 songs last year, so I'm, I, I still can write and I can still perform. So are those coming out? There. Are those coming out? Yeah. Like, how are we doing that? Is it, are We're you gonna, doing like a, I'm going to pare them down and then record some, some of them I think are ready to go as is. It's just kind of like, you know, demo, demo, you know, B-sides kind of thing, but I'm going to, I'm going to narrow down the list and then do a proper recording, but I still get to do that. So, you know, your sort of your dreams change and uh, yeah. yeah, I think that's, that's, that is, is good advice. And, and maybe there's some musician listening that's going to be like, I didn't know I could do that. That's, that's genius. <laughs> and, and good for you for asking that question. Um, all right. So we've come to that, that point in the show where we have to pay off the title of the show, which is Confessions of a Creative Director. If you want to modify that, but what what's your big what's your big confession? Your big confession that you want to get off your your chest? Uh, I mean, my big confession isn't so big. I'm not a creative director. What? <laughs> but I play one at my yeah. Yeah, I mean, I feel. I feel like every creative director wishes they were a little bit strategic or more strategic. And every strategist is like, how did you come up with those big ideas? Gosh, I wish, or for me, it's not big ideas. It's more like, gosh, like some of these, some of our, 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 our creative directors who are designers come up with these renderings and these designs that are just 
gorgeous. Like, yeah. how did you come up with this stuff? Like, I don't, I, I mean, maybe if I learned some of these, this software or whatever, I'd figure it out, but they, you, you're like, Oh, we want like these three paths and we want to do this thing. And they just come back and you're like, how, how did you do that? Like, I don't even know how you, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. So that's pretty inspiring. Really. It is really inspiring. So, um, so that's why I don't think I'd ever become a creative director is because I can't do that. And I feel like you almost have to have those stripes to really call yourself a creative director. Um, Cause it's just, yeah, but cool. I think, I think you, you said it earlier, right? There's different, there's sort of different there types of yeah. cre- creative directors. Cause I can't do that either. And I'm equally as, you know, impressed. Um, like, wow, you guys, you guys really knocked it out of the park and you took sort of the big idea and, and, and made it come to life. Um, well, and they say the same thing. Like, I mean, I had a creative director that I work with a lot today say like, I don't know how you come up with like these words so quickly. Like yeah. you just come up with this stuff like right. so quick. And I'm like, yeah, it's words. Like, who cares? Just words. But to them, it's kind of maybe a similar thing. So, yeah, you know. I think we all have to, I think sometimes we forget, you know, we, we forget about our own talents and we, maybe we take them, you know, for granted a little bit. So I think it's, it's good to step back and it's nice to, you know, hear from other people, um, you know, get some, get some, um, recognition and stuff. So, yeah. uh, yeah. Awesome. Well, dude, right. it's been super cool talking to you in this way. Obviously we've been friends for years, but I don't think we've ever had, you know, this type of discussion. And, uh, I've always, I've always thought that, uh, that you were really smart, but now I, I, I think you've taken it to another level. Right? <laughs> damn. Mark's damn. Mark's like re- really, 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 really smart. I'm like a- I, 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 I can't give him shit. I can't give him shit anymore. I can't, you know, um, but no, this has really been great. I mean, I think you've got some really great insights into the work that you do and just about, um, you know, the process and, and stri- strategy and, you know, so I much respect to you, my friend. Uh, I appreciate you taking the time and sharing your, um, sharing your thoughts with us. Yeah, no, likewise. And, and I'll probably listen back to this and have complete imposter syndrome and go back with myself because I'll be like, Oh, it could have been so much better. Why did I say that? I said, um, no. too many times. I said like too many times. No, but, nah, <laughs> honestly, no, it's great. Yeah. I appreciate the opportunity. No, no, it was great. And I think the, you know, the, 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 the analogies are alone that, that you've made throughout the, the podcast have been like worth the price of admission. I'm like, oh my God, I never thought about that, about thinking about it that way. Oh my God, I never think. So those alone were the, were the, uh, worth the price of admission. So thanks, buddy. Let's, uh, let's get together now that things are opening up. Um, let's have some cocktails yeah, in real you. life. Let's play some music. Let's write some more songs and, uh, yeah, let's move on and get do the next big thing. And let's have that conversation about the CMO stuff. All right, let's do on it. Another. All like right, it. man. I like it. All right, take care, buddy. You too. All right, bye. And there you have it. Another episode of Confessions of a Creative Director in the books. My thanks to my special guest, Mark Heron, the rock and roll strategist. That's going to be your new nickname, buddy. Thanks for being on the show. Love you. That was awesome. I hope you guys enjoyed that. I uh, really got some good nuggets out of that one. I really loved all the analogies. <laughs> some really good some really good ways to think about things that are going to definitely stick with me. So, again, as I mentioned at the top of the show, do us a favor. Like the show. Subscribe to the show. Recommend it to your friends. Rate it. Do all that stuff. Help us get the word out about Confessions of a Creative Director. I truly appreciate Want to grow this audience a little bit more. Our theme music composed by the band 
that I still don't know who the heck they are. But I uh, love that song, Make the Logo Bigger. If anybody knows who they are, let them know. And now playing us out is the rock and roll strategist, Mark Heron, his side project, Mirabelle. This was a, uh, a demo from our songwriting project. I thought I'd let him play it out, play us out today. This song is called Solitude. Until next time, peace and creativity. Solitude, oh solitude, you won't bring me to you. And you're carving out the stillness with how to behave. The stars come to witness the light that never fades. And we carve into stone walls inscriptions with our names. There's blood and some magic, each wall another page. And solitude, oh solitude, oh solitude, you won't bring me to you. And this song has an instance, and the melody has a Oh, solitude, oh, solitude.